my mother was a storyteller and a craftswoman. And one thing that she left with me that helped me in this journey was her anecdote of whenever she started a weaving project, she would weave mats and baskets and all that. But the analogy that I loved the most was when she started weaving her mats, she would call all of us and tell us a story as if she's never told it before. And this would be every time she starts a new mat. She would say, it's a great idea to sit on your old mat to weave your new one, because that way you see the patterns and the mistakes that you have made in your old one. She would also add with a cautious voice, but you have to remember that you are the one sitting on the mat. Don't be carried away with an old mat or a new one. Remember you are the creator sitting on the mat creating. Hello, family. You are listening to Concrete Pastures. I am Nancy Mulemwasisi. Being an immigrant has been one of the most challenging and extraordinary experiences of my life. It inspired me to create a platform to reach out to my fellow immigrants and dreamers. The goal is to provide a space for myself and others to share our stories as we deconstruct the world's view of immigrant status. We discuss issues that are important to us in the diaspora. We celebrate the joys, the laughs, the bravery that being an immigrant brings. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We appreciate your support. To all of our new listeners, welcome to the family. You can continue to support us by downloading our new app for free on Google Play. You get access to our whole Concrete Pastures library. And while you are there, we are an independent podcast. You can support us by giving us a donation or buying our merchandise. 50% of the proceedings, they go back to our veteran that makes them. I want to thank each and every one of you for reaching out, sending so many emails and DMs to inquire about our integrating services. We do have integrating services. If you are someone or know someone who's coming to the US of A and are looking to have a resource on how to integrate in New York City, we are here to help you integrate fully. We do provide a wrapped around service based on your needs. Each client has different needs, Maybe just housing, job, whatever it is, uh, feel free to reach out. I'll have the link in the show notes. We are here to support you in your new journey. Thank you to FMG Radio for continuing to give us visibility on their platform. On today's guest, I am super duper grateful to Aaron for connecting me to our next guest. You're going to need a pen and paper. I have to say that right away. She is giving us a lot of wisdom. 
Miriam Isa is a visionary storyteller, a life coach, an author, a community builder, and an educator holding diversity in a unified vision. She's committed to offering tools to be more tuned skillfully together. She has a potent understanding of diversity, which shines a fierce light to all issues she embraces, waving her African heritage and her creed Islam into contemporary expressions of faith, inviting all to her table of compassionate conversations. She has honed and distilled her unique memories to support others to tap into their inner reservoir and resourcefulness. Welcome, Miss Miriam. How are Thank you? you? Thank <laughs> you so much. Thank you, Nancy, for having me. I feel very, very grateful, but also very humbled to be invited in this beautiful space. Oh, thank you God. again. It's and, an honor and to thank you to it's Yeah, yeah. And thank you to all our listeners. I think it's such a privilege to come together to share stories. I think that's what we are all about as African um our traditions, you know, come from oral cultures. We are really big in storytelling and yes. especially the part, the eastern part of Africa where I come from, uh, uh, Somalia, the language wasn't written until 1972. So we are very oral tradition. And uh, our elders, you know, imparted their knowledge or seeded us through storytelling. And stories, as we all know, can uplift a community but it also heals a community and i think when we come to new places sharing our stories being vulnerable with it and holding space for each other is such a powerful tool um and element and that is needed in our world today because we do have a world that is absolutely in chaos that is demanding that women tell stories we are the conduits of compassion the womb of creation the mothers who tell stories and i think as we tell our stories we are also reforming our stories and we are curating and creating it in a way that is sustainable for the for the new world that we live in so yeah that is what we're here you know for nancy and i would navigate um, you you, you get me excited already. I'm excited. Okay, <laughs> you already started. I'm I'm a sponge. I'm already absorbing everything you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. so walk us through how life was in Somalia. So for anybody who doesn't know where Somalia is, it's in Africa, the Horn of Africa. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So yeah, yeah, and 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 both my parents actually trekked to the sub-Saharan deserts of Africa. They were nomads. So I am not only Somali, but I'm Kenyan too. So I came to my my father was exiled from Somalia uh, for political reasons in 1970, and we came to Kenya in 1971. I was only four years old, so I grew up in Kenya. So I'm holding these two cultures that are. Uh, absolutely different but also very similar in 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 many ways so i came but i then when i got a bit older i was married back to somalia and that's how i became a refugee from somalia back to kenya and now in australia 
So that's the journey I think that we will navigate a little bit, but I do have a book called A Resilient Life, which I do share my stories. And because um, I have been in Australia for 24 years now, I feel like the woman that I was when I came here is kind of fading away in the distance because we are always evolving in the making and we're becoming new people, you know. So a little bit about my journey as a refugee. I was the first refugee people who left Somalia in 1991 when the civil war striked. And at the time I was only 23 years old. I was pregnant with my third child. I had two young children in a boat that, you know, was living home with 140 refugees. And I don't even really think that in the in the world that we live in today, that could be called a boat that was sustainable to take people from one destination to another. So we did survive, I think, with you know the grace of God. And through that journey, I learned a lot of things. One, but one of the things that was really that you know, remains in my mind is the power in, in, in faith and hope. You know, when you're suspended in the middle of the ocean and you have no idea whether you are going to survive this incredible uh, safari, the, the call out of something within you that calls out to the source from which we all come and we call God or, you know, whatever other people might call it. But then you you just realize that that deep faith is deeply ingrained in you. So I do come from the Islamic traditions and I did have that faith in, in the sense of an Islamic way. But I think it becomes even more than that when in times of hope and in times of such, you know, a big adversity strikes. So that was one of the learning but the other learning that was really remains in my mind today and maybe you know at that time was a seed planted in my head in my head was the power in women's leadership because in that small boat there was this total stranger a woman who was to me at the time an older woman like a mother figure who just stood up and took charge of that boat she knew that we didn't have much food and much water in the boat. So she started to really utilize the resources that we had. And she took me on, you know, her fold. And she was like, we we don't have any time to waste. Just stand up, Maryam, and let's be the leaders here. And I think that did something for me in, in understanding that there are incredible leaders who necessarily don't have titles. So yeah. some of the work that I do these days is leaders with no titles. Like I, I wake up women into their, you know, innate leadership. Mm-hmm. And so that taught me so much. And from there on, I think I just always was on the lookout of where support was needed, where service was needed, where I was called into. So coming to us, you know, to Kenya and being displaced for eight years, it was a tumultuous journey. It was not easy. I had um, another child, you know, two children along the way, that journey. So I, by the time I came to Australia, I had four children and I was pregnant with my fifth child. 
How long did hmm? the journey take? The journey of displacement was eight years. The, what do you mean? The journey from Kenya to, to, to Australia? Yeah. Oh, that was by air, so it didn't take much. You know, we came via Zimbabwe, so it was just an easy journey. Oh, great. Okay. okay. And because I was from, you know, I came to the system and I was resettled easily, so my journey was actually easy. Uh, compared to later on when I started working with refugees and asylum seekers in Australia. So we were placed, it's, it's incredible how the universe just finds a place for you. And I was placed in an, a very white and affluent suburb in the heart of Melbourne. Wow. So that's where my real journey of understanding or maybe of why I'm here as a human being, maybe on this earth and my calling started for me. So you get to Australia and how are you uh, received, I guess, in, uh, in a way as a refugee woman with your fellow refugees? How are you guys yeah. and what is the process? Yeah, so the transition was from a perspective of system-wise was very easy. We were transitioned into, you know, we were given a home straight away. We placed the children into schools. But as you know, I these days I call culture a currency. You come, I think my family and I came with a deflated, you know, currency. Mm. And when you come into a currency that is stronger than yours, you don't, you know, you cannot trade much with it. And when you're given the currency of the people that you are among, you don't know how to trade with it because I knew nothing about the Western culture. And, you know, the other thing that was really hard are the assumptions usually made about you. To these people, you're a black person, you are a refugee, you are, and then, you know, two years later, the September 11 happened and I was wearing the Islamic gear and I was became a Muslim woman. So all these labels are put on you and there's all these assumptions made about you, but are not voiced. And there's no way that you can say anything about anything, although you're feeling a certain way, you cannot defend yourself. So I think that's the hardest bit those assumptions and of course there is racism of course there are people who don't understand your culture and nobody knows you and you don't have a friend you don't have family so it's just navigating a way in which you want to make this your community but I think it didn't even strike me that way I was living in the heart of the community but I was also away from the community because I was mingling with my own African cultures and I was going to more of where the community was. And when the September 11 happened, there was an added pressure into that. There was a lot of fear. So I took my children out of the normal schools and into uh, an Islamic school, which was communing for 40 minutes every day, 40 minutes going and 40 minutes back. And then I had to also pay private school fees, which we didn't at the time really af could afford. And on top of that, I think it was just like all these pressures that people were now, uh, you know, it was a missed another kind of uh, um, a cold war. Nothing is being voiced, but then, you know, Islam is perceived in the West as a religion that is of destruction. We started again, 
And to me, I became very fearful. But in that time, my youngest daughter, who was born in the heart of the community, reached to the age of kinder. So I thought that I did, you know, I wasn't going to commune with her. I will just take her to a normal kinder because she's just a child. Yeah. And we went to look for a kinder around our area. And when we got out, nothing bad was really said, but it was a very frosty reception. And my daughter asked me a question that literally changed the trajectory of our family. She said, mom, did they not want me because I'm black? And the penny dropped for me then. I, I just got... Shocked. I realized, yeah, yeah. I realized that, whoa, this is, you know, really big. And that I'm, you know, stooped in fear. And so is my family. And what do I need to do now? And I think that actually was, gave me that incredible ability to be decisive and to make a decision that really changed everything. One, I realized that, you know, I did not bring my children for them to have this kind of a relationship with the host country. I wanted opportunities for them. So I asked myself, is this what I came for? Do I want my children to always look, you know, over their shoulder and think that they're less or they're not accepted here? So the answer was no. And if the answer is no, then what was I supposed to do in this space? So it's incredible what happens when we ask of the universe, you know, and incredible questions. When you ask a question that is powerful, a powerful answer comes to you. And the powerful answer that came to me was to, that I knew about community and how to interact with people. And then I became curious in this journey. So instead of that fear and all that, I started to really dismantle a few things for myself. It's like, these are people. I can connect and I can start to understand the community. So I started to volunteer in, in, you know, in schools, in community organizations, and just really take an interest into my environment and make it home. Because I realized that, you know, many of us come to a new country and we're always looking for going back home, whenever that might be. Yeah. So I felt that that had to go, that this was home for me now and that we can have a new beginning. And so that's where the reality of my story started from. And it was incredible what happened after that because becoming curious and starting to interact with people just started opening incredible doors for me. Wow. Was this the birth of uh, Raw? It wasn't the birth of Raw. I started... Um, so I, I also realized that, well, if my cultural currency is inflated, it's inflated, then it's up to me to give it power and to give it strength. So I started something called Cook with Mariam as a business. I became an entrepreneur in the journey. I started the business and had the business for five years. That's when I met Aaron. And so connecting with entrepreneurs, connecting with like-minded people and opening up my mind and wanting to know more um, really started to take me into the backyard of the people that I worked for. So um, I 
before I started the business, I worked as a cleaner in Brighton Homes and in aged care centers and, you know, started interacting with the community. But what I realized during that time was also the fact that, you know, I missed the beauty and the glory and the glamour in Brighton. There was a less apparent truth because I cleaned homes, big, beautiful homes that nobody really lived in. I went into aged care centers and it did not make sense to me at all because the com- the elders of the community were kept away from the community and they were miserable. And then young children, you know, were committing suicide. There was mental health. There was, you know, family violence. So all these things, but it was covered with material. Yeah. And so it was not as a parent as our wars back home were. So then I realized that, well, I'm not here randomly. Nobody ever is anywhere randomly. So why am I here is the question I asked. So the why am I here question, I think, was the birth of raw. That I'm here to learn about my individuality because I've always lived in communal culture and interacting with people made me understand that I did not know myself personally. So it was understanding this individual culture and then inviting people to our communal culture, the culture of I am because you are, the Ubuntu spirit. So that's, you know, why I was here. I was here to learn and I was here to remember myself, but to also remind others about themselves. That's so amazing that you can integrate, I guess, in a way that is so forgiving in a challenging environment like that. Mm. I was looking at your website. That That's your daughter? Yes, that's my daughter. Asumaya. Yes. I was <laughs> pregnant with her when I was living in Somalia. Wow. Her story is incredible. Um, mm. What have you learned? I know that she... Um, she triggered a lot of things when she was younger through her story and her journey. I know you have your own story. What have you learned through her in a way that is, I guess, more giving? Because her story is very forgiving. Mm. Um, what I learned is, one, first of all, there's a lot of trauma that we carry with us. With us. You know, having gone through civil war, but also even way back that are never addressed in our African cultures. And the story of the mother and daughter, I think is the story that needs mostly healing. That's how we have lost the matriarchal culture. And I think for us, in order to bring that back, our journeys have to be sitting at this intersection of intergenerational trauma and learning from our daughters or the daughters learning from their mothers how to be together because we have actually really forgotten how to be together. And I know that during this journey of integration and coming to a new country and having our own struggles, a lot of, you know, my children have lost the mother who would have otherwise have stayed at home and been, you know, a more interactive mom. So in our journeys, there was a big gap because all of a sudden my children are grown-ups and I'm, you know, um, 
not so much as left behind because I was in the journey of activism and all that, but it was a journey of not really understanding our story, not really curating it in the way that we want to have a meaningful life. So I think once we started having, you know, before we became business partners, we had to really go through a lot of these traumas and address a lot of, you know, um, problems that we had because we didn't see eye to eye. One, first of all, she's an introvert and I'm an extrovert. Two, I come with a whole lot of, you know, um, the African way of parenting where she's in the West. So yeah. a lot of clash, a lot of our values clashed. So one of the hardest things was to really create a boundary and learn how to, you know, what are the values in which that we have that align and how do we become business partners? I think that was, you know, a really important um, kind of journey for us as well to, to become, you know, uh, that, that partnership. You know, one, we are, you know, bonded through mother-daughter, but also now by a business. It was a really hard journey and still is evolving. So when we sit together and and I allow, I allow my daughter's story to be hers because it can never be my story. Yeah. And I know that my story is not my mother's story. Yeah. But what I'm proud of and what any mother wants is for her daughter to have a better story and to have a better way of weaving. And and I think, you know, one of the seeding that my mother was a storyteller and a craftswoman. And one thing that she left with me that I, you know, helped me in this journey was her anecdote of whenever she started a weave, you know, a weaving project, she, yeah. would weave, she would weave mats and baskets and all that. But the analogy that I loved the most was when she started weaving her mats, she would call all of us and tell us a story as if she's never told it before. And this would be every time she starts a new mat. She would say, it's a great idea to sit on your old mat to, to weave your new one because that way you see the patterns and the mistakes that you have made in your old one. And, you know, she would also add with a cautious voice, but you have to remember, you know, that you are the one sitting on the mat. Don't be carried away with an old mat or a new one. Remember, you are the creator sitting on the mat creating. Wow. So that was a really, really powerful anecdote. Powerful. And, you know, I keep telling that story, although I'm not a weaver, to my daughters and to anybody who would listen to me as, you know, sit on your old mat to create your new one. But also remember that you are at that juxtaposition and that you are the creator. So by that, I learned that we can design and curate and shape our stories in the way we want to have a meaningful and fulfilling life. So, and understanding what does meaning mean for me, because what meaning means for me might not necessarily mean what it means for you. And we do this through the power of emotions, learning how we feel. And I think as, as, as a culture, especially our African cultures, we haven't been taught how to feel. 
we've always been told and you suppress your feelings and that's why everything becomes a trauma you know so understanding and learning how we feel is so important you know and that's how we curate you say something really really important because coming here um and mm-hmm. going through my journey as an immigrant it was so much of suppressing and suppressing and until i started therapy it's when i started to unlearn certain things and then unpacking certain things it's amazing i guess it's very in a way like our culture needs to change of mm-hmm. how we suppress everything and just or oh, just be tough toughen up or anything um you go through something you need to toughen up we don't talk about feelings and everything needs to be just you keep quiet and you keep it going and that had been my tendency since i i came here and i'm glad that you're touching on it that we keep doing this and this this is among all of our african community all of us yeah yeah absolutely absolutely Being an immigrant can be hard. Having been away from my home country for over 20 years has allowed me to experience these hardships firsthand. Throughout my journey, I've had a lot of challenges that were hard to bear. Juggling adjustment to a new country, obtaining my immigration papers, getting married, having children, establishing my career, and finding time for myself. Even though I've always had faith, I also relied on therapy which gave me the tools to cope with the issues life brought me. My fellow dreamers, let's remove the stigma around therapy and normalize seeking help with today's sponsor BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. Go to betterhelp.com slash concrete pastures for 10% off your first month of therapy with better health and get matched with a therapist who will listen and help in as little as 48 hours and i am now understanding that it's not just the african communities but it's a, a worldwide phenomenon for women you know women have always been you know we have to keep it together where yes. we give from an empty half empty cup or an you know half full cup i think we haven't been taught or haven't learned ourselves how to give from the overflow and i think until we start giving from the overflow until we learn how to sit with our pain and not run away from it or not you know um make it as if it doesn't exist because it's the norm you know our family that's how we were taught this is yeah. normal and we look back now and what was normal shocks me now yes and i feel like whoa you know how how was i in that relationship because i just finished a relationship of 32 years and the hardest thing for me to do was forgive myself because in hindsight you look at the plain truth and you think i'm an intelligent woman how was i in this relationship Uh-huh. But now I realized that that was normalized and it is very normal in African communities and many other communities and then I see young people repeating the same trends and I'm like no this is not true this is not right because we don't you know it better unless we hear it from you 
We hear it from mm. all the our older women telling us yes. generation yes. to generation. So it just keeps on going. So for it's me, real. I'm very vocal with what I've gone through and being able to share that. And yes. um, I'm just hoping that the journey continues even for everybody who comes on this platform to be able to be um, so open with their story because there's somebody mm. out there who needs it. They need to hear it. Like totally. I am totally absorbing everything you're saying because I, I'm just like, <laughs> oh my god, yes, that's the. <laughs> I do yeah, really and look in the that. sharing of our stories, it doesn't have to be ugly, and it doesn't have whatever your story is. You can yeah. hold it with dignity, you know. Hold For your sure. story with dignity. You have you don't have to overshare anything, but work your story. Like feel the pain, look the at it, it's go the for therapy, as you say. It's the shame. It's and the shame that everybody. Yes, the uh, shame. Feels. Yeah. So we need to remove the shame Absolutely. that life happens for us, not to us. Because yes. that's, uh, yes. I think that's the biggest thing that we have back home that everything just happens to us because for, for the longest I felt that way too I had to yeah. unlearn that I'm like okay life has just happened yeah. for me I need to get up and move on because life will continue to happen yeah yeah Yeah. So life happens to us is the process of victimhood. And I think, you, you know, through grieving, grieving, I think that's a process. Like, yeah, oh, oh poor me. That's a, a phase that you're in. It's the phase of depression. Yeah. When you come out of that phase, you enter the phase of anger where it's blame. You blame other people for your problems. But if you are not cautious between these two Uh, places, you will end up going back and forth. So the third phase is the phase you're talking about yeah. of empowerment. So that phase is where you take, you know, the steering wheel or the reins of your journey. This is your journey. You are in your lane. You have to drive to the destination that is calling you. And how do we do that? There's a lot of fear in us. So we have to address that fear. We have to, it is sitting, let it sit next to you. Yeah. And then later on, put it at the back and allow yourself to really go for your, you know, whatever your desires are. Because that fear, honestly, is never going to go away. Every time I stand in front of an audience, every time I'm starting a new project, it's always there because it's a fear of not trusting ourselves. Yeah. But we can learn to trust ourselves. And one of, you know, when I started the conversation, I started with faith. I'm a life coach and an executive coach. So I sit with people and work with them through, you know, their desires or whatever they want, their life goals. Yeah. And one of the things that I do is give them tools. And one of the tools that I really want to leave with, you know, and give to your audience today is faith. I love acronyms. Every word that I come across, I like making it as an acronym. Mm -hmm. And one, this acronym is very important because it's an acronym that is so valid in these times because it's times of uncertainty and we walk with faith, not with sight. Yeah. So what does faith mean? Faith, one means you have to learn how to flow your feeling, the feeling of freedom. 
That's the first F, the feeling of freedom and not the, the freedom of bondage, which is a service and we're bonded to each other, but learning to be free, you know, the freedom of sovereignty, your freedom that comes from within, the freedom of Nelson Mandela, a man who spent most of his life in jail, taught us how to be free. So learn to be free in sovereignty. The air stands for acceptance. You have to accept that this freedom is yours by right. By birthright, it's yours. And bringing acceptance to it, affirming it every day, and, you know, appreciating it will make it concrete in your world. The I stands for intentional. You have to be very intentional with this freedom because it's yours. You can create whatever you want with it. Yeah. And it takes you into your intuition and it allows you to bring inspirations from that intuition. So that is, you know, intentional, intuitive, and insp inspiration is born from, from this freedom. You have, the T is for transformative. You have to transform the stories that lie in your head. They're not true. Create different stories. Learn to be a creator with this and transcend the lethargic habits that is around you and it's your time to really really triumph and to find you know the life that is meant for you and the last letter i love because that brings you into balance and harmony it's harmony you generate happiness from within and then that's where home is that is the true home for you that sovereign freedom so Find that faith. It's not a faith just by, you know, that is given to you, you know, by our um, maybe Islamic or, or, or you know, uh, Christian theology or, yeah, that, that faith has its place. And if, you know, you are a faithful woman who, you know, understands God, this goes hand in hand with that, you know, find that sovereignty within you. And I think when we do that is the only time that we can be free from this patriarchal system that has put us into, you know, um, into systems and, you know, structures that are so solid and that are so concrete that we cannot breathe anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to bring back the matriarchy. That's my, you know, my, my journey. And we have to kill the patriarchy within ourselves. Yeah. I think if the patriarchy will be dead when it's dead to us. But one individual at a time, we can't do it in a bigger way. So what has been your, the impact when it comes to raw? You, I know you're working with so many communities, the women, the refugees. What has been the impact in that community? So, oh my God, the raw garden. So raw, as you say, it stands for resilient, aspiring women. And I saw that in a dream. And in the morning, that's what it translated to. But three months later, someone else told me, oh, if you read raw backwards, it's war. And I realized, whoa, yes, it's about women letting go of the war inside to tap into their resilience and aspirations. 
So it was really meant to be. And I, by inviting people in, one of the things that I knew was missing for the community was trust. And I wanted women, especially, to women of community. And I wasn't distinguishing women of color or women of white women. I was just saying women. And at that time, I had watched the Liberian women's movement who took Charles Taylor out of his you know, office into prison and brought in Salif. And then I understood the power that women had. Because every time he saw them, you know, demonstrating, he was like, silly women, tell them to take the children out of the, you know. Um, have you have you watched that movie? Not yet. It's I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'm gonna oh, watch my God. It. It's a beautiful documentary. It's called uh, Pray the Devil Back to Hell. Ooh. Yes. And it showed me the power of women. And the Liberian civil war was about Muslim and, Af- you know, and Christian women. And the women joined and said, look, you know, our children are being killed every day. The bullet doesn't distinguish between Muslim or Christian. Let's come together and create something that is concrete. And the mantra was, I want peace. So that is what you know inspired me to create the raw garden i was like this is the power of women and i want women to create peace and harmony in their communities mm-hmm. because the more we share our stories and we have a say create a safe haven for us and we come in circles then we can create that in in, in our communities and it's incredible what has happened from that because that was just an intention and that intention became a big dream and now I have a garden that has a pavilion in it and a beautiful pavilion at that. And women from different cultural backgrounds come and share their stories and literally transform each other's lives by just sharing the story. And I think the intention, because I connected with the earth, you know, when you connect to people and the earth, then that's where home is. So that became home for me. I started to respect the art, the indigenous, the indigenous cultures that we live among, then started to bring other, you know, uh, all women together. And we sit in circles, we grow food together, we do cooking classes, we share stories. So those are, we went back to the rawness and simplicity of life. I think universities and PhDs and all that make life complicated and concrete. So we need to sometimes simplify. And by simplifying things, I started working with PhD holders, with people who are in research. And I have such, so many auditorials that are written about me. And I feel very humble and, you know, um, I love it, but it, it's not why I'm doing that. I'm doing that because I realized my passion, the why that I'm here. And so I think just being curious about our why and why we want to be, you know, to do what we do and how we can bring love to what we do as well. You know, I love Rumi's um, quotes. He says, do not look for love because you are love. Just look for the places that you withhold it. So we have to look for the places that we withhold love. We have to not be stingy anymore with love. 
And we have to bring the simple, simple things, everyday things that we do, and add a bit of love. Like I felt very, you know, uh, this morning I was so happy that I was gonna connect with you, and yet this is our first time of meeting because I love what I do. It shows, and I love connecting really with you shows. and with people. And I, you joining at seven thirty in the morning. I am, I'm. I'm beyond grateful that you were able to wake up that early no um, absolute pleasure just to inspire us and um i love that you you're holding space for us yeah totally so totally i'm so grateful that you absolutely absolutely and look i'm 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 here and the world has now become so small i think we're a global world yeah. and amazing you know you're from america i'm from australia and we have listeners in around the world which is such an incredible you know opportunity for all of us to grow and you know anybody who is interested in in my coaching is interested in my book is like yes please you know connect and yeah let's grow together as women but also as leaders and i want to you know um let every woman know that she is a you know a leader with no title even if you don't have a title you are a leader in your own right any woman who is you know my mother used to say you're a woman you are a mother whether you have a child or not yeah so because you have you know so we are the carriers of life and you know our stories our projects are part of the things that we bring to this world because we all want to grow together and create a better world for everyone i think it's about time how do you describe your women leaders how do i describe your women leaders the leaders in your group my women leadership Yeah. is one the rawness the the raw that I talk about but the other one is with with love and again love is an acronym i think as a leader you know the best part of being a leader or being an incredible leader is being a really deep listener so the first letter of 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 love i call it a listener and the second one is to be an observer and with no judgment because i think judgment is what you know takes away from mostly what you know we bring to the world and we do need judgment in you know important things and the way we judge and our mind is naturally analytical and it judges but as a leader i think just you know be an observer and just you know do not judge and validate so what am i listening to observing and validating the human emotion the last e is emotion so as a leader if someone really angry comes at you what do you do if you listen deeply to their complaint and you do not you know you observe with no judgment and you validate their anger that person is validated they feel that they're heard and all we're looking for in these times is to be validated and to be heard so how, that's that's a way of loving each other and most of all though love yourself this is the best part i think sit with yourself and be a deep listener and observer 
and validator of your emotions. When an emotion comes up for you, you're angry or you, you feel certain something is not sitting right with you, validate that emotion and find why it's there. Because once it's validated, it will let you know why it's there. So that's how I feel like I'm hopefully a good leader and one that really validates herself, but validates others as well. Wow. <laughs> I can talk to you forever. I know. <laughs> Do you feel fulfilled with your work you've done so far? Totally. Uh, but I, I am, you know, as a human being, we're always in motion. We're always dynamic and, and we want more. Um, I feel like I am fulfilled in the space that I am in at the moment, but I want to do more. I want to go back home now and, you know, create some projects and collaborate with, you know, people in, you know, different parts of Africa. I have many, one of the amazing things that came out of my journey is connecting with Africans in Australia from many parts of Africa. Yeah. So I am friends now with Zambians and Sierra Leoneans and, yeah. you know, Liberians from Ghana, from South Africa. So I am so rich in, you know, um, in relationship. So, you know, connecting is one of my highest goals, you know, connection. Because it's, it's everything. When you're connected and especially you're connected to people who are, you know, have the same mind and want to do the same things and have the same values, then, you know, you can do so much together. And life just becomes very joyful. What are you working on right now? How can we support you? I know we, um, I, I, I know you, you have a website. How else can we support you in all the amazing things that you are doing? Well, one, I'm a storyteller. I am, uh, you know, a life coach. Uh, um, you can support my work by inviting me to your organizations, you know, as a speaker, as a storyteller, as a person that you want to hold space for some of your, you know, your teams. I can do that. And also, you know, I do executive coaching for organizations that want to support their clients. I have book but I'm also writing my second book and the um, I don't know if the title will be the same but the book that I'm I'm writing at the moment is I choose to thrive so I believe that we can thrive in the times that we live in there are a lot of challenges in life always but when we transcend those challenges I think we can open the doors of our own reservoir and the reservoir always is within us and the resources that we need are in us. The only thing that we need to learn is to be resourceful enough to connect with that, you know, reservoir and to, to bring those resources into the world because each and every one of us is a genius and has an incredible and amazing story. And when they bring their genius or they're part of the puzzle for the world, it's needed in these times. To, to create the wholeness of what we want to achieve together. So, yeah, and reach out to me as well. And just as Nancy did, and I'm happy, you know, to, to support whoever 
that is needing my support in the ways that I can. So, yeah. Thank you for that. Um, I'll have everything in the show notes, your contact and um, how else they can reach you. It will be all in the show notes so everybody can have access. I, I had so many questions for you and you answered them along the way as you were talking. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, I've been very excited because when I was reading your bio, on LinkedIn and then I also went to your website reading your daughter's story who I would love to have actually on here like you said she has her own story to tell just the amazing duo that you guys have and I love that you have a page where it says mother-daughter duo I I love that yes I, I, I love that and it's work I have my daughter it's work every day to unlearn some of my African ways (laughs) and integrate both I guess the American ways and the African ways without putting too much on her and her brother I should say and I would add to that I think our human ways I think we are so you know programmed in so many um, because it's there's the, 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 the white supremacy especially in you know coming from our African countries and colonialism and all that it's so much to unpack and I think we cannot do it as if we look at it as you know uh, one component after another I think the idea is to really connect with your story and go at this particular moment what is the story that I want to create for myself and that I'm rightfully person in sovereign freedom. And that's why I chose to give the, you know, the, uh, the tool of faith, because it's, you know, whoever, regardless who you are, when you use this tool of faith, you can activate that power in yourself. And no one can jail you. No one can tell you how to live your life. So you become someone who is literally, you know, you even understand the power of reverence because you learn to respect yourself, but you respect other people as well. And you become someone who adds to what the world needs. Mm -hmm. So... That's, you know, that's the times. And as a gardener myself, you know, I love gardening and I'm very much among people who love, you know, to bring sustainability and climate change and all that. So there's there's a term used called ecofeminism. And I think, you know, that ecofeminism means that you sit at that intersection and you see all the disparities that exist for us that has been created and our programs and how we can dismantle these programs from our systems and how we can start to be kind to the not only the earth but the people in it and the animals in it and that we can become holistic in our journey of becoming whole and you know creating our own story so the the idea of being a victim and angry gets out of the way so you now just activate that power in you and so you don't have to go back and forth of you know this has been a you let go of that story because this after covid i think there's a whole new world that has emerged and so how can we gently come into this world? How can we be gentle enough with ourselves? As you say, when we are unlearning things, 
it needs that gentleness because it's really painful. And so looking at the pain, not dwelling so much on it, but releasing it. I think just becoming alchemists in a way that are transformers. And that is, you know, why I'm so very excited about this because this is the time and we, that we don't have to do the hard work that we used to. I'm, I look forward to the new book choosing to thrive I think it's going to be a good read and a lot of teachable moments I can tell already <laughs> what inspires you what gets you all this energy in the morning it's 8 40 over there now and it's 4 41 <laughs> here oh my god <laughs> in the afternoon what inspires yeah. you what gets you so much energy what excites me I I think life is exciting you know on on this side I have I have a beehive and I'm looking at the bees and how excited they are so bees teach me so much like when we connect with nature and we nature is such a powerful teacher Mm. So I observe, you know, the little things. I think, you know, you become, when you're in nature, you become Alice in Wonderland. You just can become that small thing and you go to the, you look at a bee and you see yourself in, in their journey. Yeah. And you look at a bee and when a bee is flying, every morning it just flies from its hive and it just finds a flower. And all it does, it, it doesn't even disturb the petals of the flower. It just goes on the nectar. That's all it needs to be at the nectar. And that's its innate. But by doing that, the bee, you know, as a byproduct, kind of pollinates our crops. Without bees, we do not have food. So it pollinates our crops, but it also gives us honey. And those are byproducts. Mm -hmm. So for me, speaking with you today, Nancy, is a byproduct because I already, you know, early morning, I have, a, a, I work on my system. I wake up, I'm a woman of faith. I pray and I meditate and I'm already, you know, oh my God, I'm excited. I wonder <laughs> what's in store for me this morning. And then things like this happen, you know, an email like yours just lands on my inbox and says, can you come on my show? So that's even how I get my, my work. Like people just invite me to have, you know, um, speaking engagement or that. And the byproduct is that I just get to, you know, to have fun. So it's, it's really incredible. And I think connecting with self and being creative, I think we have to find the creativity, the, the, cre the creative side of ourselves. Because when we're not creative, it's like we're not we're not alive. Yeah. And the last one is celebrate along the way. You know, every little bit of thing that you do for yourself, acknowledge it, validate it, and celebrate. So those are my three words. You know, connection, creation, and celebration. I make sure that I have those three in my life. So this is my second last question for you. There's so many women around the world that have gone through what you've gone through. And mm -hmm. especially when it came to 9-11, I came in 2002 and mm -hmm. there was two, they, the scarcity around it. Like you look at a Muslim woman wrapped up this, you could tell without any words, 
that even when they're getting into the train, I think even until today, there's still that fear. What would you tell those women around the world? Because 9-11 happened here and there's been a lot of you know tragedy that happened in other countries like the UK or, and just around the world. What would you tell those uh, women or men also that are still scared because they are Muslim, mm-hmm. because of well, whatever happened? that they have nothing to do with. Yeah, yeah. I think it comes back to, you know, people will judge you and make assumptions about you. But I think that is, when people judge you and make assumptions of you, it's sometimes a reflection of something that, a story that you're carrying inside. And I saw that in my journey because I, when I was angry, I saw angry people around me. Mm. And when it became, you know, when I started to understand, I was like, oh, my God, I wonder what I'm angry about today. I have a lot of angry people around me. And then just, you know, learning to connect with our feelings and learning to know what story are we carrying inside. Because our mind is the one that really cages us. The prison is in our minds. The fear is in our mind. So sometimes, you know, as much as we would like and, we, you know, and it is like out there, there is a lot of racism, there's a lot of hatred, yeah. but that hatred is, you know, learning how to really feel and say, am I contributing to that? Because if I am part of it, if someone is hating me and I'm hating them back, then I'm contributing to it. But when I transform my thinking and I transform how I feel, then it's incredible because your life transforms. You totally think that you are in a different world because even the people around you who are haters and all that drop, you know, they they, they disappear from your life. Whether that is family or friends. And sometimes I think we suffer because we are clinging to something that we know and we don't want to let go. So I think it's the surrender and the letting go of the things that you're clinging to. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, our beliefs. Sometimes it's, you know, just having that mirror for yourself and looking from inwardly out and finding the, the kindness to forgive. One of the things that is really profound for me in my journey is that I have seen a lot of atrocities in my life even when i was seven years old we went through the id i mean at the time we were living in uganda and we went through the id i mean civil war and the somali civil war and i have seen the unkindness and the atrocities that man can commit against each other but what surprised me is how when you meet a stranger and that stranger does a small kind thing how it unravels all those hatred or all those things that you've you've held as being you know but you just kind of feel wow this is so fresh this is so beautiful i want to be kind you know so it's that invitation invitation to kindness to compassion and to understanding you know if someone is even hateful just try and understand or 
find a way in which in your heart you can send him an energetic hug or an energetic forgiveness. I know that it's hard when you're living the, that truth, but it's always good to find the respite within ourselves because the outside world would not give you respite. Happiness and everything is generated from inside of you. So learning to cultivate those, you know, start to be uh start being a gardener and you know metaphorically see your mind as your garden and always weed out the negativities and plant in seeds of you know um yeah whatever seeds that will give you that kind of respite and that is needed in the place you are at that time thank you for sharing that a long answer to a simple question no 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 the world of being an immigrant and being a refugee yes it's yes. very different okay. but i'm so grateful that you were able to you know explain to us yes or no answer have you healed from <laughs> everything that has transpired in your life have you been able to heal um to heal okay so healing what does that even mean you know i think we are constantly healing we're constantly because as long as we are on this sweet earth i think we will have we will have kind of like you know things that will pain us i have five children my eldest is 34 my youngest is 23 i live in this world i have many friends i have families i have all that so have i healed from the things that i came from yes because i have let that go but the process of healing and the process of you know being more and growing continues there is no i have healed and that's the end of it there is no destination to our life and we will keep having you know hardships this is a dual world and we will bump on each other but i think i've learned to forgive i have learned to let go in in a way beautiful all right you've done so much and again i'm so grateful that you were able Thank to you. get up super early to be here with us have you found your concrete pastures yes i have in a way you know i have found my concrete pastures and i think that you know in these pastures i am also being a path maker you know yeah. making paths for young women for elder women for us all to go through i think it's a time that you know um we have to make these concrete pastures as we you know as designers and curators yeah yeah, yeah and, and and making them as we go you know and look as from as african women i think we're very creative we're blessed with an incredible heart yeah. that is absolutely compassionate Mm-hmm. and yeah let's design and curate and make our concrete pastures together from from this i feel that my you know in the raw garden we have a really beautiful water feature and that water feature is like a big vase of like a cup and it has an overflow 
And that's what my symbolism for women is, you know, give from the overflow. Never ever give from something like that. And and learn to say no. I think that's a, you know, we've been cast in a way because we don't know how to say no. I think learning how to have our own boundaries and saying no, which I still have some reservations, by the way, too, yeah. mm-hmm. is an important thing. Thank you so yeah. much for being here. I'm so grateful. Yeah, me too. Right. That's it for this episode. Thank you again for lending us your ears. It's truly an honor to save each and every dreamer. You can continue to support us by liking, sharing, and following us on our social media pages. The links are all in the show notes. We have so many exciting projects and ventures in store for you. Until next time, keep dreaming. Born and